across the galaxy. This is where conspiracy on the wild side meets the perspective of a lifetime. This is the Free Zone with your host, Freeman. Hello and welcome to the Free Zone. And for some of you, welcome back. Uh, <laughs> yes, as many of you know, the RSS feed went down in November. Sorry, I didn't know. I didn't notice it until I got the emails telling me that there was a problem. And of course, I had to bounce through uh, support left and right. Three different companies trying to coordinate what the heck was going wrong. Nobody could tell me. Uh, and I, I just, you know, I have a little bit of working knowledge on web mastery, I guess, over my 18 years of hosting freemantv.com. A little bit has uh, gained into my brain there. So I was able to decipher somewhat that the, the SSL was blocking the RSS through to the DNS. And thankfully, I knew what that all meant and was able to go and tell them what to do. You'd think you'd call tech support and they'd tell you the problem and say, here's the fix. But no, it was up to me. And I did it. And I'm very proud. <laughs> so the feed is back. But guys, recognize that um, if you don't see me in the feed, if you don't see me on Spotify and all the different other players out there, uh, come on over to freemantv.com and check out. Make sure that, it's, that the show is still there because uh, the website was going fine. Everything was going fine. It just wasn't going out to the feed. And, uh, you know, it 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 makes it way too easy on them to censor me if, if you guys won't come and check the website when the feed goes down, right? I mean, uh, we, we really got to be on top of this, guys. So anyway, it's all fixed now for now. Who knows? what what will happen next but uh the rss feeds are back there so welcome back to those of you that did not go to freemantv.com you got lots to catch up on i'm uh, you at least got bonus something to do in this absolutely cold weather this is the coldest day of the year for me uh, which isn't too bad <laughs> considering everybody else but you know we're in the teens here but supposedly it's going to go up to 66 by friday so <laughs> i'll be lounging oh, out in the crazy. 70s isn't that crazy <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so tonight we are talking with Topher Gardner. He's a former professional athlete, field goal kicker, and he's turned yogi. But he traded all these worldly ambitions towards spiritual enlightenment, and, and it brought him to dome building in Costa Rica. He grounded uh, a new polarity therapy there and started dirt bagging uh, super adobe homes and and building up and understanding how life in the universe can come together and form into a compelling future that we all hope for. So Topher, uh, from topherhq.com, uh, last time we were speaking, we kind of left it off with the idea that nothing brings people together like a good catastrophe. And boy, this oh is, boy, <laughs> catastrophes in spades. Yeah, this is so true. Uh, we're about to go to Anarcopoco in a couple weeks. And, uh, you know, the, they had a Cat 5 hurricane out of nowhere. Gone. gone. <laughs> I mean, yeah. all the way to the top floor. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you, you never hear of something going from a, a, what's known as a tropical wave, which is less than a tropical depression, all the way to a Cat 5 in less than 24 hours. There's definitely some weather manipulation going on there. And um, yeah, so what's been beautiful there is that 
there's so many people that have been flooding into that area of Mexico, Acapulco, to really, you know, lend a helping hand. You know, Jeff Burke and his people have like really rallied the troops. And growing up in South Florida, we would have that all the time. I always loved hurricane season because that was when <laughs> South Floridians were the nicest to each other. Like after a hurricane would blow through, everybody would rally and like we'd have barbecues and everybody would eat all their leftovers together. And then within a week or two of the electricity coming back, everybody would get back to their like high strung, you know, normal worldly life. So I, I don't mind catastrophes. I, I've seen in Costa Rica and at least in, uh, in, in the South, like people really rally and help each other out. Yeah. You definitely find that the poor care for one another a whole lot more than the rich. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, then, you, know, like, you, you appreciate this. Uh, in uh, 2010 in Costa Rica, they had record rainfall. And it, I think uh, the month of November, they had something like close to 100 inches of rain. And all of the valley that I lived in, there it was it essentially had three rivers running through it. And each bridge in the, in the valley blew. And uh, all of us men, there was probably about 100 uh, men in the valley that were like capable men. We cut down these massive trees and, you know, dropped them from one side of the riverbank to the other side of the riverbank. And for months and months and months, those were our bridges. We were just using these felled trees to get over the riverbanks. That was a lot of fun. I have to tell you, there's been situations where it's just like, this has to get done. There's no ego. Like everybody steps up and just does whatever needs to happen. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with the mic. It was all nice and clear, but now we're getting a little bit of fuzz. I don't know if maybe you're too close to it or not close enough. I'm well, not sure. I, I, I might have been talking too loud. My golden retriever jumped on my lap. He's an 80 pound goldie and he thinks he's a lap dog. So that, <laughs> that could have that could have interfered on with things. Yeah, right there sounds perfect. Awesome. All right. Yeah, there's something about it when uh, God takes over and you're sitting there in the dark and the winds are blowing 100 miles plus outside. And, and it just there's there's somewhat of a comforting feeling that comes over you when you're just put in that situation that you can't get out of. I, yeah, I found, I found a lot of peace in that. It reminded me of, uh, have you ever read Stephen Kotler's book? I think it's called uh, Engineering Superman. No. It's all about being in the zone. And he he was measuring all these pro athletes and all these high performers. And they find that danger is like one of the five elements that will, that will put you in an egoless state, which is the zone. Like, it, it really helps out to feel... Because we kind of, we click into a different mode when there's something really to be scared about, you experience less anxiety. <laughs> like what most people consider fear is anxiety. You know, they're afraid of something that's not like actually in their environment. But when you have like these big storms blow through and it's like you have to be hyper alert and hyper aware to kind of navigate the situation. It's amazing. People are remarkable. Like you, you it, the situations end up being, um, you know, pretty much what like a lot of adrenaline junkies, you know, try and, and go for, you know, the adrenaline junkie likes high stress situations because <laughs> it kind of makes them relax. 
you know, the, that kind of happens with uh, with the big catastrophes that I've been in. Yeah, I believe that. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> Dealing with it right in front of our faces. I mean, that's kind of where we're at right now as a world, because we're looking at all these problems. I mean, it's endless what we're looking at with the financial crisis, with the migration crisis, with the disease X uh, you know, just all these front uh, with fear that are anxieties that aren't right in front of our face. They're things that are just hanging there in the balance and everybody's waiting for the shoe to drop. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've learned a long time ago to like disregard all of that. <laughs> like if, if it's not like right in front of me, in all honesty, uh, it's not really even worth you know, paying all that much attention to because it ends up all the the media that I used to invest my time into that was, I guess you call it legacy fear, fear porn. Um, that's all just there to generate anxiety. Like yeah. in, and I I could track it in my body, and it just didn't feel good to you know to to do that. So now, I mean, I haven't had a normal TV and. I think close to 20 years now, you know, and then all, all of my media that I do consume is curated. Most of the people I listen to are, you know, crushing in life. And, um, you know, if there is like something to kind of pay attention to, like an oncoming, you know, whatever you call it, winter storm or some oncoming financial thing, you know, I just grin and bear it. The truth of the matter is we're all going to be okay. <laughs> That is the truth. I've lost yeah. it all so many times. And when I sit here, you know, somewhat comfortable now, uh, you know, I'm, I'm prepared at all times to, to walk away and uh, just, you know, because I know what life is like out there. I've, I've lived it. I know the road. I understand it and I love it. It's just frightening. And it takes a moment to, you know, uh, adjust to losing everything but once you yes. do you know you find that out there well i'm thinking of uh the people in lahaina like speaking of legacy mm -hmm. media that speak on nothing of importance except for fear but you know here these people in lahaina got hit with uh you know what seemed to be a directed energy weapon causing fires or maybe it was just uh you know a setup perfect uh, storm that caused the power lines to come down and burn everything but that doesn't seem to match the evidence so people are starting to be able to get back into Lahaina and see the evidence of the directed energy weapons and all of that but what is really nefarious of what's going on and and this is uh, going to build into our compelling future that we're going to try and seek here uh, something that makes us want to move forward but we look at this situation in Lahaina, and what has happened is they've they've disallowed any new building contracts, so the the mm -hmm. you know the state just isn't allowing anybody to build, and then the government is stopping the insurance companies from doing a uh, inspection of the burnt down homes, so these people are stuck paying their mortgages or going into default for a house that burnt to the ground because they can't prove that it burnt to the ground and they're just oh, no. stuck. Yeah. 
can you imagine just stuck paying your mortgage after your house just because of bureaucracy and you know regulations getting in the way but you know what are all these people to do at this point and how many more are there going to be i mean we had so much devastation going on so many people put out on their feet right now uh, that we got to start to this this is kind of like the the impetus like you know losing your home and going out into the streets and and to start to find this new way that humanity can exist together it should never be like this where your house gets burnt down to the ground and you're you're just left with regulations and red tape that keeps you from having anything and you have to continue to pay for it it's crazy yeah yeah i after the lahaina event that was like the very last you know straw for me in pulling the trigger for building fireproof homes <laughs> right. like i've had it in my mind because you know i make biochar and when you add biochar to concrete it makes a very fire resistant um it, it essentially makes a fire resistant structure you better find and a way to make it blue <laughs> you gotta find, a, <laughs> gotta find a way to make it blue yeah, that's so funny. Um, your neighbor there in uh, Climate Viewer, what's his name? Um, there in uh, South Carolina, he does all the things with the the climate change and like the the directed energy weapons and you know spraying. God, why can't I remember his name? Um, yeah, we we did a, a we did a whole uh, series on the on the essentially the vaporization of Lahaina because I was like a big uh, Judy Wood student. She actually had, I was part of one of her studies because I was like one of the few people that have been in the middle of a tornado. And so Judy Wood um, in the early 2010s was like really like instrumental in my, in my knowledge around uh, scalar interferometry and what all that means and like god did that lahaina thing have all the hallmarks of of the stuff that she showed at um in her book like where did the towers go like the, 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 all the all the trademarks even going down to like the massive storms being off the coast like it was just like i all, all i could think of was going through the evidence of lahaina i was thinking about Judy Woods, uh, great research into into what happened during 9-11. Without a doubt. You know, the melted cars, the melted everything going around without burnt grass near it. You know, it just yeah. so many signs and symbols. And then the, all the blue things that survived. It's uh, Jim Lee. Jim Lee. Who's Jim Lee, great, yes. Yeah, great guest Yeah, here. Jim. It, he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he and I were talking about that color frequency blue because I've, I've just gotten into cold lasers for like healing different uh, ailments. Uh, actually, uh, Sophia Smallstorm, uh, she was turning me on to like these, uh, I believe they're 18,000 nanometer cold lasers. We use it a lot for horses and like very like big game animals and stuff like that when they need to bring them back to health. And, um, but humans use it now. Like that's why all these athletes, these super athletes are healing from injuries so much quicker. Using um, lasers? Yeah, using cold laser. Wow. 
Yeah, yeah, cold lasers are really cool. Like, essentially what it does is it turns on the mitochondria. Like, whatever, depending on what nanometer, which is just, like, what wavelength it is, it will turn on different aspects of different cells. So, I believe, I mean, I could be mis misquoting the, the actual range. I think it's from 18,000 to 23,000 nanometers. That's, like, a super healthy cold laser for, for humans. And um, so you could take one of these, these cold lasers that's like, you know, one watt. And if like you change the frequency range, like you could like, you know, burn out your retinas. Like they're super powerful because it's a point source energy. And like when I was hearing people be resistant to them, like uh, some of the reports of like lasers coming from the sky and then people were trying to debunk the blue roof thing and the blue car thing. I'm like, Come on, guys, if we have like one watt or five watt, you know, cold lasers that are, you know, for consumer <laughs> consumer consumption at, you know, say $500 a piece, you don't think they have like a 500 watt or a 1000 watt laser that's in a, in a, a plane flying over that could, you know, do that proportionally more damage. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of idiotic to think that that type of weaponry isn't available. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a directed energy weapon right there in Maui. <laughs> you know? Yeah, don't, I mean, don't they have, like, the, like, isn't one of their bases there, like, just for that? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then SpaceX was right there as well. <laughs> oh, man. People just have their blinders on. They don't, because if you admit that to yourself and you're, like, a normie, like, you are going down a whole world of hurt. <laughs> like, that's really hard to, to go down. Like if, if you just think, oh, this is just a fire. And, you know, these types of things happen. Nothing to see here with the, the guy that was, uh, what was he, the sheriff or the mayor of Las Vegas? when the, Yeah, uh, the, for the same. That whole, <laughs> and now he's, he's the sheriff in Lahaina? I mean, come on. And, and the coroner. How, did, how is that even allowed? It's not. <laughs> it's completely illegal, as far as I've heard, uh, to my understanding. But that didn't stop him. Yeah, and isn't it? And the, and the, you know, you always it's all key bono. Like who does who does this benefit? And hadn't all like the locals there, like the local Hawaiians, hadn't they won? Like just like you know that year or something where they got to keep their property and and their property taxes got to stay at a fixed rate. Wasn't there something like that? And then this catastrophe happens, and now all that's out the window. All I know about is their uh, discussion of turning that into a smart city, and that they needed those people out of the way. Uh, so there was these regulations that were going through, and maybe they did defeat that. I I didn't. I haven't been able to speak to anyone. I mean, you know, we talk about the thousands of supposedly missing children, and I'm like, well, where are the thousands of parents? Why aren't we hearing anything about this? Where are all these people that lost their homes, you know? Well, is it true? Are there thousands of missing people? I don't know, you know, because uh, no, no mainstream covers it, and I can't seem to find any source that would really give me information on where these people went. I saw that, you know, the reports that were showing that 2,000 children didn't show up for school. They didn't know where they were. Um, 
there were some mysterious flights <laughs> coming out and going in during this whole situation and the missing school buses that were uh, all there huh. in the original Google search and then uh, gone. And uh, so, yeah, there's some definitely weird stuff, but, you know, there's like zero information. It's crazy. Yeah, it makes me wonder, like a lot of times when I hear about missing people after catastrophes, a lot of times I kind of, my conditioning in Costa Rica has me believe that that's just a correction to the bullshit census. Because I watched just them totally fudge the numbers of the census in Costa Rica in 2010. They essentially doubled the population from 2000 to 2010, which is like an impossible thing. And they do that because then the, you know, the, uh, what is it? The World Bank, the IMF gives them more money. Right. You know, and so you have a catastrophe and it's like, oh my God, all these missing people. Are there really missing people or now you actually did a real head count? (laughs) This is the the reality of what's so here. And we kind of have the opposite thing going on now in the U.S. with all of the migrants. Uh, where the governors are saying, you know, bring them all here. They're they're kicking people out of schools so that they can house migrants in the schools. They're kicking people out of buildings and uh, forcing people to house people. And uh, the, you know, one governor came out and said the words out loud, saying, "Well, yeah, I need the numbers for my consensus so that I can have a you know better uh, chance at the election or however that works out." Um, so we have kind of a, I mean, I, we, we're not seeing it yet, but I'm seeing all of the evidence, right? There's this massive, massive tent city in New York. I mean, it's humongous. I mean, it's like five different hangars. And then there's a colony bridge in Texas and another entire massive migration colony there with hundreds of thousands of people. And these are just, two you know just new york and texas that i know of and mm-hmm. you know they're everywhere so we you know they 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 started this crisis they caused it by lockdowns you know people would say it's all covid but it really was the lockdowns that then left people without an income you know you're non-essential and uh then biden saying you know everybody surged the border when i become president and it's crazy how many people are in i mean as far as the numbers I'm looking at and whether or not this is the case, but uh, there are more migrants coming into America than we're producing babies. So we are in the middle of a replacement migration. Yeah, in the West, it's very well known that we have been below replacement. And uh, it was kind of cool. My university, uh, I went to Michigan State University and I studied finance. And when you're a finance major, you study a lot of economics and at Michigan state, we had a lot of uh, international profs that were teaching us about economics. And they taught us like from like the, the first day of my, my senior year, like the 400 level economics, they're like banks move money to where there's young people. And the average age in the United States is 51. The average age in uh, Europe is 52. So all the money is going to the BRICS countries. And this was 1998. 
when I was learning this. And they're like, yeah, you know, Brazil, Russia, India, China, they're going to get the influx because they're the ones right now that are reproducing. And even with China that has the, you know, the one, the one, you know, person per family policy there, we just have, you know, over a billion people. So the, the middle class is going to be sustained just from the sheer number but uh, Russia and Brazil especially was like they had this huge, you know, burgeoning uh, boom of births in India. You know, I don't know so much about India. I, I think a lot of their numbers, they, they lie a lot down there. So I, I kind of like with, with their, um, I guess you would say poor nutrition, I don't see how, how they could be all that fertile. But even though that's where the the money was moving, and then I have a few clients that I've built for that. Uh, one of them is a Learjet pilot, and his he told me like twenty years ago his main fl- flying route, like he was flying Gulfstreams, Gulfstream eights, would go from he was normally flying from London to Dubai, and then he. A- actually had to move to Shanghai and then uh, while he was still alive his main his main routes were from Shanghai to the Arab Emirates so like the whole money scene was like shifting to the east and it kind of fit what my economics professor said so the west has been in a in a in a free fall we've been below replacement for two generations and so, like Japan, I think they said something like is like you know in critical, uh, critical freefall right now with how old their uh, population is, and so many of the Japanese aren't actually having kids with other Japanese; they're having kids with Americans or you know other other races. So. It's it's going to be interesting to see what the the influx of all the the migrants from the south does from a population number because I know for for the machine to work you need a certain amount of people that are willing to do menial labor and uh, in the west it just seems like uh, that's not <laughs> the the menial labor crowd is kind of uh, few and far between if you know what I mean yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm seeing that and definitely seeing that nobody cares. And, and and I don't blame them. You know, there's not a compelling future for us to be excited about. We have all these problems coming and, you know, we, we got SpaceX, we got Disease X and, and, and Eclipse X. Right. Uh, this year, we've got the concern of over the, my house. <laughs> the April eclipse right over your house. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I'll be here. I think we have like a three-minute-long. What do they call it when it's like the apex of the of the eclipse? Okay. I think I, I think where we are in Missouri, we have like it's like the the we will experience the eclipse for three over three minutes, which is apparently really long time. So I'm excited. That'll be my first solar eclipse. I, I really hope that uh, Dave Murphy, allegedly Dave, is wrong because if if his theory comes to pass, <laughs> the United States will be over. Whatever that means, like uh, tell me about that. The... I, I, I love to hear the theories about this, but you might need to back off your mic again. Oh, I'm sorry. So 
Um, so uh, allegedly, Dave, he's he's a wonderful researcher. He, he was the guy that pretty much put a credible face on the fat flatter um, movement um, in 2015, 2016. He was very level headed. He's a computer engineer, very smart guy. But he researches everything like he's a he's a renaissance man of research. And, um, you know, he had been an atheist for I think he said 40 years and he just took cues from his environment to look into the uh, Bible. And so when he started to study the Bible, um, he found that the Old Testament was actually uh, was an an accurate account of history from his perspective. And he really started to dive into it and um, it puts into all the different tribes and all the other stuff that I don't, I've, I haven't committed to memory. But one of the tribe, like one of the, I guess you say, prophecies of the Old Testament was that the, the, the true Israelites would be under torment and torture for 400 years. And so... He's a he's a black man, and I think he's like three quarters black, like one quarter white, because he has he has either blue or green eyes, and uh, but he identifies, you know, mainly as being a black man, and he looks at the Israelites like going through, and once again, don't quote me on this because I haven't <laughs> committed any of this to to real memory, but I believe. Uh, from his interpretation of the Old Testament, the true Israelites were one of the black tribes. And they, apparently there were a few of them. There was like an Ethiopian black tribe. And then there were the there were some other black tribes out there. And God cursed the Israelites if they didn't follow the law, which is kind of cool because my wife and I are studying the law right now, which is kind of fun. This is what made me relative to him. And so the way he looked at the timing of it was, is that that curse started um, 400 years before 2017. So whatever that would be, uh, what would that be? 1617? And that's pretty much when the transatlantic slave trade, you know, got into full swing. And he said that curse you know, culminated in 2017, and that's when that first uh, wave, the the first uh, uh, eclipse, crossed the United States. And the reason why he said that that like he could tell that's what it was was because the 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 line, like if you followed the line of the eclipse as it went through the United States, it passed over something like seven or eight. Uh, cities called Salem. Well, Salem is, an, is a, is a uh, reduction of, Jeru of Jerusalem. Or, you know, th those two are like synonymous with each other. And so he was like, okay, the slaves have been over in the United States for, for 400 years. Everybody's a wage slave now. You know, it started off as the blacks just being the slaves. Now, now everybody is, you know, under the, the thumb of inflation, which is, you know, the biggest tax that nobody talks about. But he, uh, he was like, okay, so look at the empire of the United States. And there's all these other indicators out there. I'm just making this brief. But he's like, 
his theory is is that because part of the prophecy that he was leaning on was that there will be a three-headed eagle that is running the world and the middle head of that eagle will just disappear and so he was looking at that metaphor as the united states being the the middle head of the eagle and the three eagles that he's talking about are the vatican um the city of london and then the united states and in in that prophecy in the old testament it says the 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 two remaining remaining heads of the eagle will then uh fight each other to the death till one remains and then the then the children of god will or the the chosen people of god i forget the terminology will then defeat that one remaining eagle so he was under the impression like he like this is just him reading the tea leaves is that uh the united states is that one eagle we were the main consumer of the slave trade uh for 400 years uh you know the federal reserve essentially in 1907 or 1913 made us all wage slaves i won't say all because that's not true but the majority of the of the un, of the unknowing uh wage slaves and that that slavery cycle pretty much peaks and ends when this you know second half of this solar eclipse cycle uh culminates which is uh, i believe it's april april 8th Four eight two zero two four. So when you look at that numerology, it's like very powerful numerology, also. Yeah, four and eight; those are very solid uh, completion numbers. Yeah, they're generators too. Like when you look at, I build a lot of buildings that are with sacred geometry, and when you build an octagon, it's because you want to generate energy. <laughs> It's like something like whatever is going on there is going to generate energy. A lot of the antiquitech, you see like a lot of what they call bandstands that were outside of these, you know, uh, let's just say uh, misappropriated buildings of antiquity. It's very much, it, it's very, in my mind's eye, a lot of those bandstands were actually antiquitech that were, they were the generator for whatever was going on inside. Yeah, that's definitely been something that's been on my brain quite a bit. I love the way the world is is starting to unfold and and the mysteries coming to the surface, you know, the flat earth, the Tartaria, and the things that are making us question all of the information we've been given by our overlords. Uh, you know, let's start to question NASA, yeah. Uh, let's start to question all of all of the universe and and, and what we actually believe in and, and go more by what we see. And it definitely has brought us to this new place where I hope I hope that that opens minds so that we can get out of this cage that we're in. You know, we're in a mental prison They're 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 bringing in the iron fist with the velvet glove. Because we can see it all closing around us with uh, crypto, CBDCs, and AI, and um, just all the myriad of ways that they they limit our travel, living you know, just making us not want to travel. It's uh, 
I'm hoping that these new mysteries, because I, I went to I went to Kansas University for ancient architecture, and I studied mm-hmm. all of the cathedrals in depth. I mean, I had to know what ribbing, what vaults, what you know, everything that was involved in all of those. But after it didn't even occur to me while I was doing this. I mean, we were, t- we talked about the Knights Templar in college, you know, and how they had this effect and how they brought this technology and, and spread it across the, you know, the continent there. Uh, mm-hmm. but there was never ever mentioned, Oh, and there's this great architect that came up with this, uh, type of, uh, anti-gravity architecture that cathedrals are you know using only gravity to hold it together and no mortar and it wasn't until i started looking at tartaria and the mud floods and things like that that it dawned on me you know i went through all these years in kansas university in ancient architecture and i never learned who the architect was and right i think that's very telling (laughs) yeah yeah, and that's the thing that was frustrating for me because I, I learned how to build arches and vaults at Cal Earth University. And so, like, the, the, the geometry, the reason why the ancient people used arches and vaults is very simple, is that you can take very heavy substances and support them over spans if you distribute the way in an arc form. This is why bridges are shaped the way they are. This is why you'll always see like this gentle slope in nature, or you'll see arches in nature. You'll never see flat things in nature. And the ancients knew this, and they weren't so, um, I would say, material-obsessed in the sense that like in current architecture, a lot of the buildings that are built, the, the architects design them to use to maximize the amount of the the material cost without really the thought of the thing being able, the geometry of what they're designing being able to handle the load. They're more material dependent to handle the load. And in the past, not only was there the art, artisan aspect of it and the beauty aspect of the aesthetic but they also were like okay we need to design something that can actually the geometry can handle the load of whatever we're we're wanting to accomplish and so that's like (laughs) it's just not really that's that's not really going on anymore and so when the tartarian stuff started coming out and people were like trying to debunk it and they would say no this architecture firm made this and then they would they say like here are the plans not once did i ever see the plans of any of these buildings that they were trying to debunk that weren't tartarian because they would show elevations i'm a builder (laughs) i know the difference between plans and elevations and i also know like for me to build a a single family home that's a one-off that's a bespoke home that takes, you know, months, if not like, you know, up to a whole year to like design it, go through it with the client. And then it takes like even that much time to execute and build it. Right. If it, if it's something bespoke, if it's something that's, you know, only done once. So they're showing these buildings that are like, (laughs) I mean, you've seen them. They're, 
They're huge. Like all this stuff with the world fairs. Give me a break. These world fair buildings are like, no, you don't understand their guilds. And these guilds are so skilled. And I'm like, I totally believe in man. I completely understand that man had made all this stuff. But they didn't make it in the time frame and or in the budget that you said they did. And if they did do something so grand and so great so quickly, why were they so quick to destroy it and get rid of it? It's like that makes it makes no sense. Like you have to put the the whole picture together. And that's what makes the the antiquitech so compelling to me. Is like, yeah, man can do anything. That's not the argument. It's did they have the time? Did they have the wherewithal? Did they have the budget? And like the story that we're fed is just utter BS, like utter BS, <laughs> especially with the majority of the world fairs. And like the more I listen to people that go into San Francisco and Portland, Oregon, and you see like the the historical narrative around how many people were going out there and then you saw these massive cities it's just like no no none of that matches like of course if if there's a royal king somewhere that's been established for hundreds of years and he wants to build versailles that makes sense like they can do that but you're saying that there was only like 12,000 people that were, you know, white settlers, you know, moving out to Oregon at this time. And yet they had a city of Portland that had, you know, <laughs> these massive buildings that were all masonry. Like I, people have no idea what it takes to do masonry. And I'm a mason in the sense that I build concrete buildings. To just the, what you need to do masonry right, you need you you need these you need something that, that can haul all different grades of rock all all different grades of aggregate you need you need things that can sift all of these things sift the sand if you're using a portland cement or something that's a binder like that you need to have protection for all the guys that are that are mixing this stuff in none of the pictures that i've seen like none of them, <laughs> like not one where they'll, they'll say, oh, these men built this building. You know, they'll give some narrative and it'll be a picture of like five guys wearing all black. They'll have no white powder on their black on, on their black suits. Right. They're not wearing gloves. They look completely clean and they usually have their foot on like some sort of rubble. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like if I open one concrete bag. You know, I have this powder all over my body. <laughs> Let alone these guys are wearing all black and they're just standing there all spiffy and all that. I was like, no, no, no. This is this is a staged photo. This isn't this isn't what you're trying to represent isn't actually it's not being correctly presented in this type of photos. That's just not so. And then you have the massive asylums that they used for the Cabbage Patch Kids. And all of a sudden we have orphan trains running around and, uh, you know, this whole Cabbage Patch Kid theory where it was uh, common knowledge. And they were just pulling babies up out and out of the fields and giving them away to people. You can see postcards from the time. Um, uh, yeah. 
Love I've never heard that term though. What, what do you mean by cabbage patch? Like the cat, the, could you explain that? Um, I only am going by some of the postcards and comments that I've seen from the, the Tartarian people and that Cabbage Patch Kids was was a thing. And there was a lot of art depicted of, of mothers, of, of women, just basically uh, gathering the crops of babies together and, and just handing them off. There were literally like postcards with art about the Cabbage Patch Kids and I don't know where they came from. I don't know where the orphan trains came from or how that all ended up being. I don't, I'm not exactly certain. I, I guess that's another thing we could dig into uh, in the future is uh, what, what was the deal with the Cabbage Patch Kids? But it was a thing. And, and it was like common knowledge that there were all these extra babies for some yeah. weird reason. And then they were going off into these asylums, these massive, massive buildings that, uh, so it really just reorients things because we're 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 left to think that America was just this empty terrain that just sat here for thousands of years while the rest of the world was building cathedrals and coliseums, you know, going all the way back to Rome and Greece and uh, you know even the Minoans, uh, you know, thousands of years, and yet this continent just sat here with absolutely nothing. No one ever, you know, just just random nomads, uh, savages as they were known, uh, the you know, you know Native Americans running around in their you know skins and <laughs> horses. Well, they didn't even have horses, right? There wasn't horses either until the Spanish arrived. Uh, horses and pigs came, so it makes no sense whatsoever. And and the same thing with the architecture of the cathedrals. It, where are the modern cathedrals, right? I see the Mormons kind of putting up sort of pseudo cathedrals that kind of have, but nothing of the quality that we see from the ancient past from 1200, 1300, uh, you know, these cathedrals that were, we don't see that where, you know, who, who could rebuild Notre Dame after it burnt down? <laughs> where are the master sculptors? You know, where do we see any works that, uh, compared to those uh the renaissance era sculpting you know yeah we we don't see that we're in a different age um i, I i'm i'm pretty certain we're in a different age because that's what i try and you know tell my clients i'm like you can have any level of beauty you want you just have to have the money and the patience for it and it just seems like the level of beauty that was being built on a very consistent level worldwide implies a higher level of consciousness to me, at least. Exactly. Like, <laughs> it's, it's just a different age. Like, today, if you see, people aren't so externalized. Like, with the way the elect electronic media is molding people people are living a much more internal world you know i think at one point in time maybe in the silver age or the gilded age or whatever like you had people that were like they found their sustenance outside of their mental scape and so they would look out and they would see a beautiful cathedral or see these beautiful sculptures and go to museums and all that. And that was a, like a fulfilling thing. Um, not to say that that doesn't happen now. Like I, I get a lot of pleasure out of, of looking at, at beautiful buildings and artwork. 
but I don't think they had the the they obviously didn't have what we have right now. Where at any moment we can actually like completely sculpt an internal world totally through whatever electronic medium that we want. And I, I just think it was just a different age. So there was a, just a different expression. And it's also very, very obvious that the masonry that was being used is, is, a, is a totally different era of, of consciousness also. Because there are certain sculptures that like no one can sculpt today. Like you can't even pour forms. Like you, you couldn't even cast some of these sculptures that people are said, oh, well, you know, <laughs> like there, there's always an excuse maker out there for whatever. But like, uh, I'm like, you know, I was at Roslyn Chapel in Scotland. You know, it's a very small chapel for people who don't know. But it's kind of cool, it, not chapel, but uh, cathedral. What's really neat about it is you can go up to where they have these pillars that were sculpted by master masons. You know, and the story that they give, they'll give you the the chronology of like when these were sculpted and how long it took. And you know, I went ahead and I touched one of these things. I touched one of these columns because it had like it had uh, cherubim and then it had like Mary and it had roses, like just the level of art on this one column but the thing was i touched it because i wanted to feel the i wanted to feel and see if there was like um like a chisel like mark like feel if like i could feel like the um the the grade of the sandpaper that they used to sand it or whatever and i'll tell you what man these things freeman these things were as smooth as a baby's bottom like how did it get that smooth? Like, it, it makes no sense. It's almost like there was like a plastic form that was molded and then they poured whatever the the porcelain or whatever the masonry material was into that and then they just lifted it as one piece. I mean, that's how smooth it was. And so they can tell me all these stories about guilds and all this other stuff. But I mean, the one thing that we know humans are excellent at is taking credit for other people's work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on, let's be real. Uh, no, well, what would you do, right? You're, you're, you're a frontiersman, you're cruising along, and all of a sudden you come upon this massive asylum building that just standing there i mean it would be like uh you know the conquistadors and they were strolling through uh montezuma's palace and finding all the gold and and pyramids and things like oh my god you know i'm certain that that's what happened is they were strolling along came across these massive buildings and said well hey we we can we can tell whatever story we want right here man look at this i'm a master builder uh, yeah yeah it's it's people are lying through their teeth and then you have the people that have the degrees that trust the people that were lying through their teeth right and all, and then all their money all their money depends on them like you know telling the line it's just like and this is the thing too is like i i was like a huge fan of awar right because when he did like the secret history of the of the flat earth I thought that first five-hour documentary was just, it blew my mind. 
And he has since like pretty much retracted everything that he said in that. And I listened to him and Wood Nichols go through this whole series of like explaining away his first documentary. And who is that? And, but the, uh, you ever hear of a a a e w a a e w a r? He has a channel on YouTube. He talks with like this real strong accent. I think it was like 2019 or 2020. He had this documentary that like lit the the I guess you call it the truth or world on fire, where he essentially you know just lambasted the the current model of history. But since then, he's like retracted everything he said in that, hmm. and and. In listening to his retractions, like he he he's talking about these guilds and these people that have records. But in the same part, we know like history is written by the victor, and also history is written by those that want to take credit for other people's stuff. Like this is like one of the most common things that occurs in humanity. <laughs> it's just yeah. like you know, like how many patents are stolen? Like you could just look at just inventions, right? Just in the in the common day. Like how many times does somebody write a lyric and then like somebody else uses it? Like, like come on, guys. Like let's be real about this. Oh, just because in this in this current iteration of the Masons of London and they say this, like, no, come on. Well, you just look sure. at. I'm pretty sure Joseph Smith figured that out very well when he took the Mormons to Utah. Right. Like, we can just start this whole story right here. Because it didn't work the <laughs> first time, right? He had to go out into the middle of nowhere and then retell the story of finding the golden tablets and the magic hat. And, uh, you know, people, <laughs> Mormonism still building cathedrals. And the thing is, too, is like for the most part, I think humans are pretty simple. So like in the sense like, OK, if you had a population of a million people, it makes sense that you'd have like a, a San Francisco, like they say that there was in 1864 or there was a Portland. Like, let's say you even had like a half a million people in the Portland area of Oregon. It makes sense that. Portland looked that way in like 1890. But the numbers that were told of people, like one way or another, the information is wrong. Let's say, let, like on multiple levels, either the dates are wrong on the photos or the amount of people that were there was wrong. Like there's so many, there's so, so many data points. Things have to like, we can trust that life makes sense. And the thing is, if you only have like the 49ers going out there for a gold rush, well, you think a, a person that's panning and mining for gold all day is going to have the energy to build a masonry city that has like perfectly aligned city streets? <laughs> exactly. No. There's only so many hours in a day. And if you're, if you're crude and you're only using, you know, horse-drawn the carriages and all this stuff. And that's another thing too, is you have to look at like my parents, my, my grandparents, excuse me, that were like depression era babies. 
they were telling me in like cities like Mobile, Alabama, and also in San Francisco, like they all had electrical trams. Right. Like they, right. they, they, were, they all got around essentially in like with no noise, no pollution, and everybody loved the systems. And systematically that was taken out of every major city. Like so like it's really important to talk to the old folk that 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 lived during those times where it's just like, no, 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 no. We actually had a very high, you know, level of living. Like my parents in Pittsburgh. Like my great grandfather, he had his whole like he built up his whole business and retired like in nineteen fifty six or something like that. But there is a picture in my family of like 1901 or 1902 in Pittsburgh. And what do you see right in the back there? You see an electrical trolley. Like, where did all that go? Yeah, exactly. And that's what I love about our current time. And uh, speaking of time, we're wrapping up this first hour. Uh, but that's what I love about our current time is that everything is thrown up in the air, right? Like nothing is uh, real right now. Uh, mm -hmm. and everything has potential chaos. But at the same time, this brings about this uh, human impetus to actually come together and create in a way that we know to create that the universe allows and, and, and strives for, that we are all striving for. So we're at this perfect pivotal moment because uh, X is going to mark the spot here in April as we go into mm -hmm. that eclipse and we know that the american empire is uh, teetering on an edge uh, you know the <laughs> we've printed more money than uh, the entire time the country has existed in just the last few years uh, everything is just up in the air along with our history mm -hmm. along with our knowledge along with everything right like you know the space age didn't happen uh America's history isn't at all what we think and, and and on and on and on everything is up in the air are we going to have a future you know and this is a perfect spot for humanity to find a compelling future something that we want to work towards but I know that everything has to be yanked from people before they're going to start changing their habits uh, but you know all of the all the all that we need to know is right out there in the universe for us to figure it out. And it's right in front of our faces instead of being told to us by some overlords. As a matter of fact, there is one example of a post and lintel in nature. Now, we say nature has no right angles. And then we were talking about the arching nature of, uh, of how that follows the, the nature. But yes. there, is, there is one right angle, one post and lintel uh, representative in nature and it just happens to be right there in Lahaina, and it is called the banyan tree, where the arms grow down from the branches and support it from beneath. And so the banyan tree is the one example of nature of a right angle post and lintel. It's the only one, though, uh, as far as I know. At least that's what they taught me in architectural school. That's so. kind of cool. I, I grew up in Florida, and we would we would climb banyan trees. Like my wife and I were avid tree climbers and the banyan trees were the best. Yeah, they're amazing. They're they're absolutely epic. Uh I climbed one in Australia. 
Yeah, amazing stuff. That's I awesome. mean, just huge. But all right. So guys, you know, this is where we're at. We're in the midst of a flux where we're coming up on on Eclipse X and we're witnessing a world that's just flying into seeming chaos and especially here in America where it just is an influx of, of craziness going on in all different levels. And I mean, this election year, disease X, uh, financial crisis, BRICS nation, World War Three, you know, it's all going down. Everything's going down. But this is the moment that it spurs humanity back into action, back into finding their true compelling future, into finding a reason to exist in, in a love of life. I mean, we're, we're all confined and isolated right now, and it's due to this technological era that we're in but at the same time we're in an information age where we're we're able to start questioning things that nobody on this planet was able to question before because now we have this com this compounded intellect as all of our minds start to come together and start throwing things at each other and say well what do you think what do you think and we're coming up with a whole new vision so that's the positive of all this negative that's going on and I want to thank you so much, Topher, for this first hour and to let everybody head over to uh, topherhq.com. Do you still maintain that? Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, you can get all my work over there. I'm doing tons of consults now for people. So if anybody wants to email me, they can email me at info at topherhq.com. And uh, I have my Bio Charisma podcast that's, you know, growing. So yeah, just just come on over and check out all the stuff that I've been building. Absolutely, guys. There's a lot of answers there, and if you're uh, you know going to find yourself without a home, uh, there's some supplies and understanding there on how to just kind of build yourself a safe home that won't burn down and won't be uh, <laughs> subject to directed energy weapons if we could go that far. But who knows? Uh, Super Adobe come to save the day. <laughs> that's right <laughs> so yes thank you all so much for uh tuning in and and i hope that next time the the feed goes down you guys will come over to freemantv.com and check it out and make sure everything's going right because uh i don't always know these things are just hidden from me you know i don't know until somebody tells me and uh I'm I'm so thankful that I got it fixed and <laughs> oh man man what, I, I'm not even gonna get it <laughs> what it's like to deal with tech support in three different companies but uh, I was definitely straining to get the Indian accents so that I could understand the technology that they were describing to me yeah that's all I gotta say but yes thank you all and uh, we will see you next week. Let's take this on over into the members section. I guess I, I, I should say, uh, please uh, contact Steve, producer Steve, if you want to get any show notes or get people on this show. It is producer Steve at freemantv.com. And of course, you can write me, freeman at freemantv.com. Or follow me on X. I need more followers. I'm pretty sure I'm shadow banned because uh, I haven't gained any followers on X in forever. I've, I'm just sitting there at 14,000. It's been there forever. I, I'm pretty sure I'm shadow banned on X, but it is at Freeman TV. And I do try to bring you all kinds of intriguing and interesting articles and things that are uh, come across my desk and throw back at you. So a lot of the stories that I cover here are there on my X feed. 
So I hope you'll come over and and help me boost that number a little bit more. Although if you are already on X, uh, I don't know. Maybe you don't want to follow me because I'll probably make you shadow banned. Because, I mean, I went on Beth Martin's program uh, two weeks ago. And we went on just to discuss uh, COINTELPRO in a way or, you know, who's co-opting the, the, the movements. And we opened the show on on youtube and the first thing i'm saying you know because we're live on the air i didn't know we were going to be on youtube i was like oh god you probably don't want me on your youtube channel i don't know why but they have it out for me and uh, you better be careful let's get off youtube and go to rockfin and so i was only on youtube for on her channel for 10 minutes and all i said as far as i know uh during that 10 minutes was oh god you probably don't want me on your youtube channel and the very next day, they canceled Beth Martin's YouTube channel, guys. So that's how dangerous I am, all right? I spend 10 yeah. minutes on one person's channel, and it is gone. I I don't know, man. It's weird to me. It's crazy. I don't, I don't get it, honestly. I don't think I'm that dangerous, but there's got to be something, right? <laughs> something that I'm doing right. I, I feel like Mel Gibson in Conspiracy Theory running around, which one did I get right? And don't. <laughs> no, not the gravy, not the gravy, right? Because uh, I don't know. I really don't know. Could it be the cloning? Could it be uh, the space war? Could it be uh, you know all the levels and layers that I've gone through? Who knows? Or is it just the love that I share? I think that that's really what it is. I think that's the biggest fear they've got. And uh, I don't know. But yes, guys, Beth Martin's a great guest here on this program. Uh, her channel, gone. You know, 10 minutes of Freeman, boom, gone. So I don't know, guys. You know, maybe following me is dangerous. <laughs> Definitely having me on your show is dangerous, it seems. But that's the way these things go. And when something like the RSS feed breaks, you know, all I have to rely on is FreemanTV.com and X. Because that's, these are the last two places I'm allowed on the World Wide Web. And so if you don't go to one or the other to find out what's going on, then I, you know, you'll never find me, you know what I mean? Like, because it's still going. So please come to freemantv.com and subscribe, help uh, keep this show going. And, uh, but come there regularly to check out, to make sure that I'm, I'm still here. <laughs> so, thank you all. And we will see you next week.